Hi, listeners. You can now listen to this community podcast production ad-free on Apple Podcasts and access the podcast one week early and get exclusive bonus content. Just hit the subscribe button now on Apple Podcasts. Or if you want access to all of the above, plus video versions of the podcast, head to patreon.com forward slash stop the killing. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. I'm Sarah Ferris, true crime podcaster. And I'm Catherine Schweit, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. And you're listening to Stop the Killing. Welcome back to our bonus episode, the episode we bring you the latest on mass shooting and active shooting cases. But before we do, time to welcome two more official do-gooders to the Stop the Killing podcast team, our latest Patreon supporters. So big thanks to Renee Gwynn and Angie Stas. I hope I've said that right. And if you want to join them and get early access, ad-free episodes or loads of bonus videos and contents, then head over to patreon.com forward slash stop the killing. The link is in the show notes. And with that, on with the show. I wanted to tell you about something that happened recently. The FBI director was in London meeting with his counterpart there. To be a fly on the wall in that meeting. So let me tell you what happened in the room. And I have to use my glasses to make sure I get all the details. But I want to tell you what I just read. It was so fascinating. Because Ken McCallum, am I saying that right, Ken McCallum? He's a director of British Domestic Intelligence for MI5. He's your FBI counterpart. MI6 is your intelligence, counterintelligence. That's the uh, James Bond branch, isn't it? Exactly. MI6, right? And Mm -hmm. MI5 is the domestic intelligence agency, which is comparable to our FBI. The FBI does both MI6 and MI5 things, but we're responsible for the spy work in the United States. And then the CIA, Central Intelligence Agency, is responsible for uh, spy stuff outside the United States. So we do it inside, they do outside. I would be the worst spy in the world. In fact, I actually had brunch with someone just the other day who I hadn't met before. Mm-hmm. And she said she worked for the Ministry of Defense. And I said, what do you do? And she goes, I can't tell. I can't tell you. And I was like, now I just have to know. Of course, I'll never know. <laughs> I would be terrible in no. that job. Terrible. That's it. I worked, I worked uh, espionage cases and counterintelligence cases for a while. That was where I started. So oh. that my initial career was that. My first 10 years was all of that in the FBI. And I literally shared a computer in a desk with another agent and he was working different kinds of espionage and and counterintelligence cases than I was. So I couldn't even talk to him or I had no idea what he was working on all day. (laughs) Really? I knew categories. I knew what category he was working on and he kind of knew what category I was working on counterterrorism Middle Eastern stuff, and he was working on espionage, Russian stuff. How <laughs> close to the movies is it? Well, the movies in some cases are probably closer 
to what you see then in in the criminal stuff, because okay. the, because spy stuff is cool. What about you know? Bond? Just, How is it like Bond? Nobody can move that fast through some place <laughs> and destroy that many cars and planes <laughs> and look that trains good. and boats. <laughs> And have his hair never out of place. <laughs> right. And always get the girl. Oh, uh, yeah. exactly. Yeah, no. Ridiculous. So, but toys, amazing toys. I mean, really? I mean, toys like, what does this pen really do kind of toys? If I came to your house right now, would you be like, don't touch that pen, Sarah? That's not the pen for you. <laughs> Didn't take no. anything home? You can't take things home. No. You can't take things home. Nope. Everything's accounted for. Everything has numbers on it and things like that. Yeah. It just doesn't work that way. Sorry. I can't wait for the memoirs. Uh, Yeah. No, never. Since we're talking international here, I'll tell you one of the funny things that you learn uh, when you're working on counterintelligence, you know, James Bond and spy stuff. Sometimes it's easy for people to be duped into thinking they're doing really cool stuff. And then they travel overseas and, the other country has their spy hunters who are looking for you. You think you're being so cool and debonair, but then they're working against you right. to find out what you're really spying on. And we have this rule. Anybody who works in this world has heard this, I'm sure, before. They say, remember, you don't get better looking overseas. Oh, wow. That's such a great saying. I love it. Let's make a bumper sticker immediately. Yeah. You're standing in the bar thinking, wow, she really thinks I'm hot. (laughs) Yeah, probably not. Probably not. You don't get better looking overseas. You're just as good looking as you were when you got on the airplane to go out of country. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Have you ever felt that pang of disappointment when you couldn't add a ticket to your collection because it was digital? Or maybe you just lost it? Well, Stubforge.com is here to change that. Imagine this, tickets that not only look but feel like the real deal. Because each ticket from Stubforge is printed on the same quality stock that Ticketmaster uses and printed with genuine ticket printers. It's like holding a piece of the concert, the game or the show right in your hands. But Stubforge isn't just about replacing tickets. With the easy-to-use interactive designer, you can create custom tickets for anything, from concerts to sports games, pregnancy announcements, or parties. Why not make your invitations stand out with tickets that are as unique as your event? And if you're trying to complete a back catalogue of missing tickets, Stubforge offers bulk discounts to make it both easy and affordable. With Stubforge, you can once more give your loved ones physical tickets and see their eyes light up instantly at the best gift you can give. So whether you're looking to reignite your ticket collection, craft the perfect gift or send the coolest invites, head over to stubforge.com. Start creating today and see how Stubforge makes every ticket a story worth saving. Visit stubforge.com and start making tickets today. So on that, Mr. Ray, 
although his name is Christopher, but I would, of course, even to this day, call him Mr. Ray because he's the FBI director, and Ken McCallum, director of domestic security agency, MI5. They were together to talk about a number of different things and their information sharing. But one of the reasons they held a public press conference, which is almost unheard of for either of those, I'm sure. Certainly for Director Ray, he doesn't do a lot of public press conferences. No FBI director would about these kinds of subjects. But they wanted to talk about this one thing, which I thought was fascinating or what I took out of it. And I wanted to read you some lines from this story. Director Ray said, travel and technology have blurred the lines between foreign and domestic terrorist threats. travel and technology. And this is something that I saw emerging, right? I mean, especially the white supremacist cases that I worked where my subjects were getting online and finding in Germany or finding in London or finding in another country, some neo-Nazi who's been at it, Mm -hmm. you know, could show them the way kind of thing. And that's really the challenge. So travel and technology have blurred the lines. Domestic and international used to be so clear that either you were from there or you were from here, but those two didn't talk together. And he was saying, absolutely, they do. Because this is the challenge when you think about these types of shooters. Terrorism is a type of motivation, right? In terrorism cases, you're talking about largely a lone actor, or maybe one or two other people who don't have a lot to do with the plotting. They don't need a lot of money to do it. They don't need a lot of training. And their target is pretty much everywhere. He said, as a result, there are very few dots to connect. You know, after 9-11, I was a terrorism supervisor during 9-11. And after 9-11, we were very worried and we heard all the time about how we have to have the agencies talking to each other. We have to have international agencies talking to each other because we have to be able to connect the dots. If we can't connect those dots on who flew where and who lived where and share that with other countries, we won't be able to solve these problems. Didn't we just do the case where the Chicago shooting in the supermarket, or no, is that the buffalo. the buffalo one god yeah. that's terrible that i'm mixing them up because there's so many we've okay. done recently now you're in my spot yeah ridiculous the buffalo one was influenced by the new zealand christchurch mosque shooter christchurch. and obviously mm-hmm. that's a great example of the technology crossing over absolutely and you know director ray said there are very few dots out there as compared to say the 911 model of an al qaeda sleeper cell with fewer dots and less time in which to connect the dots It may well be that Ken's folks have one dot, we have the other dot, and if we're not super latched up, we're going to miss the only picture that's out there, and that's got to happen so fast. Wow. It's such a terrible challenge. And the other thing is that uh, Mr. McCallum said that in uh, Britain investigations, they involve 20% of your terrorism caseload involves racism, neo-Nazism, and hateful ideologies. He said the neo-Nazi racist groups there, if anything put a greater emphasis and think about when we touch base a little bit about, as you mentioned in the Buffalo shooting, younger shooters, Mr. McCallum said a greater emphasis on juveniles within the caseload and a more obsessive interest in weaponry. So more juveniles, more obsessive interest in weaponry in cases before there is even some kind of a a plan attack, they are already obsessed about weapons and they're much younger. And so their interest in weaponry is different. It's not like I'm mad and I want to commit a crime. I'm going to go get a gun. They are more and more obsessed at a younger age with weapons themselves. Interesting. And so he said, it creates a difficult cocktail of risk that we have to manage with great care. What do you think he means by that? The idea that you have very young, younger people who are obsessed with weapons. So here in the United States, where I could knock on doors in my street 
know confidently that there are people there with weapons that may be different where you are, but maybe not so. I think his concern is that obtaining weapons, making weapons, which you can now do, is becoming more prevalent at a younger age. So you have a 15-year-old who's making a handgun in his basement. Is anybody going to know that in his bedroom? If his mom doesn't look in the closet because she's trying to give him privacy, does that mean that if he's upset with somebody and he begins to tool a handgun or two in his own closet because he can order the parts online, will anybody see that? And I think that's what uh, Mr. McCallum means about the cocktail challenge is that they're going to have the weapons already and then they get radicalized. They get more obsessed about hate and then they mm-hmm. have the means to commit an act because they have the weapons with them already. And, you know, you mentioned the Buffalo shooter. For those of you who don't know, Buffalo, New York, that shooter specifically wrote about his admiration for the Christchurch killer who killed mm. 51 people in that mosque in New Zealand. The Oslo shooting is another yes. attack that comes up a lot, especially with the younger people who say they want to admire somebody. This is something that was so relevant and important that Mr. Ray and Mr. McCallum specifically discussed it in this presser. I say presser, but that's because I work press. It's a press <laughs> conference. And Mr. Ray said, you have people who may not be conspiring or colluding with each other, but who are in effect inspiring or egging each other on. You can see that, for example, with the attack in New Zealand, the attack in Norway, in some way, in some sense, you see an attack in the United States that inspires somebody else to attack somewhere else. We've got a global contagion, haven't we now? Yeah. One shooting leads to another shooting. We're seeing research of that now. But I think that the meeting with Mr. McCallum and Mr. Ray um, and their decision to make a public discussion about it in the press is because they recognize that we are facing more of an international contagion risk right now, particularly with this blurring of lines as Mr. Ray said, from technology over internet chat rooms and people's ability to get up and go, you're not picking up your gun from London and bring it here to the States. I'm not picking Mm. up a gun in the States and taking it to London, but I may do my shooting in Buffalo, but I may egg you on to do one in London. Why do you think they decided to share that with the public? What's the benefit of not doing that behind closed doors? I think one of the reasons why they get up in front of a press conference and talk about domestic terrorism, but they don't get up and talk about espionage cases is because they're doing the espionage. Yeah, (laughs) right. They're doing the espionage cases on their own behind the scenes. Like they're working those cases. But what we know about mass killings and guns, domestic terrorism, neo-Nazi support for going and shooting up a crowd, the way to stop that is not going to be by Mr. Ray and Mr. McCallum talking about the best techniques and toys to use in order to stop somebody from committing espionage. It's the public. It's the public that's going to have to be our eyes and ears. There are a lot of ways to to skim and check what's out there on the internet. And our intelligence agencies have ways to do that. There's limitations. And we're not going to catch everything, right? Yeah. Uh, by any means. I think we know that. But you know, when the top security agencies in the world are meeting together in London to say, we need to act fast. When one dot is in London and the other dot is in the United States, we're going to act very quickly on that. Welcome to the Bravery Academy. My name is Emma Ferris and I'm your host. This podcast is crafted to share the stories of courageous individuals who've overcome adversity and found the courage to live their best lives. 
We'll explore the science of well-being, courage and connection and interview top thought leaders, game changers and survivors. And it's from these stories that we learn what resilience is, how to heal, how to recover and how to be brave. Something is introduce you to Barry Clue, an authorised financial advisor from New Zealand and a very special kind of stain on humanity. He was a very uh, knowledgeable young guy. He was a registered financial advisor. Type of guy that was bending over backwards to help you. Now you could be forgiven for thinking that Barry sounds like a great guy and you'd be right. Well, right up until the point when you're wrong. It was all fictitious. You stole from my son who has a disability. Chris never knew. He died believing that we're all taken care of. A psychopath is somebody who lacks empathy, acts impulsively. I think there's a strong case that Barry might be all of those things, actually. To find out how Barry Clue stole over $15 million from 81 victims, subscribe to Clueless, the long con. That's Clueless, spelt K-L-O-O-G-H-L-E-S-S. I would just add this little thing. One of the things that I noticed recently is um, arrests being made in cases in the United States when somebody makes a lot of online statements. In the old days, in the older days, as they say, it was always this view that until that person moved forward yeah. on a plan, showed up at the school auditorium with a gun or at the place of business with a gun. But now terrorism is in the threat of terrorism it doesn't require that you do something. It requires that we think you're going to do it. I remember you saying a couple of episodes ago that, that, that we were just squeezing in tighter on culpability. And that feels like with terrorism, that seems to be happening as well. People yeah, aren't going to get yeah, away I, with it, hopefully. I know. I mean, I like that you say that because I do think that's what we're talking about is mm. situations where we're chinking away. And so I know it's just about a news story, but it's so rare to see the two heads for two major intelligence agencies come together and then make a decision that they want to make some public statements. That's how important they think it is right now. Thanks for listening. And if you want to know more, Catherine's book, Stop the Killing, is out now. For more details, go to katherineschweit.com. Please consider also supporting our independently made podcast. It's simple to do. Go to patreon.com forward slash stop the killing. And for as little as the price of a latte a month, you can be part of the solution to stop the killing. Patreon rewards range from official do-gooder status to ad-free episodes, autographed books, and opportunities to connect with us directly for your business, school, church, or even just a book club chat. But just knowing that you are part of a movement that has the power to make your community safer, well, that's got to taste better than a skinny cappuccino any day. So please head to patreon.com forward slash stop the killing now and polish off your do-gooder halo and make sure to include your name so we can give you a shout out. This podcast is a community podcast production. That's con with an N. If you want more content, then head over to community podcast at Instagram, where you'll find trailers on more binge-worthy true crime, like the award-winning podcast Conning the Con. And check out our show notes for all the links mentioned. Finally, if you want one takeaway action that you can do right now that can help make our community safer, Please share, rate and review this podcast wherever you listen. Everybody needs to know that they hold the keys to see something and say something. 
Together, we can stop the killing. It's one of those things you hope never happens, but you better train for it. Because it will happen. And it will happen in places you wouldn't expect. Be ready for it. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.